Now, Health Matters with Daniel Martin. Good to have you on board, everybody. Thanks for joining me. Now, earlier this year, Buckingham Palace announced King Charles III's cancer diagnosis, but they stated it is not prostate cancer. However, as the cancer was discovered during his treatment for an enlarged prostate, it does raise concerns as to whether an enlarged prostate could develop into prostate cancer. Did you know that if you live long enough, gentlemen, you're going to have an enlarged prostate? In fact, up to 90% of men aged 80 years and above will develop an enlarged prostate. How to manage the condition and its link to prostate cancer coming up on today's edition. I'm joined by Dr. Tan Yong Khan, who's Senior Consultant Urologist from EuroHealth Medical Clinic. Dr. Tan, welcome back to the show. Hi there. Hi, Daniel. Thanks for having me on the show again. Absolute pleasure. Was I right in saying as long as a gentleman lives long enough, the prostate will enlarge? Uh, well, in general, you're, you're correct. We normally say that you know by 50 years, 50% of men will have some urinary symptoms slightly related to the prostate. And by 80 years of age, maybe 80% of men will have prostate-related symptoms. So it is unfortunately pretty common uh, and worse in some circumstances for certain people. What is the enlargement of prostate all about? About and how does it affect you? Yeah, so you know, this prostate is this small walnut-sized gland that sits below the bladder, and basically the urine tract flows right through the middle of the prostate. So as the prostate grows, it's going to compress on the urinary tract and then slow down the flow. So obviously, because of its location and because of this you no know, chance of growth, you know, you're going to have a lot of urinary symptoms developing. That's what we call enlarged prostate. So urinary symptoms like like spending longer at the mm. urinal, waking up frequently in the night to urinate, things like that. Yeah. So yeah, it normally begins with things like you know intermittent flow. The flow is not so good, not so strong. You know, where in the past you could stand far away from a urinal and you still hit the urinal. As you get older, you gotta kind of have to move closer to the urinal. And then along the way, you start developing other symptoms like uh, more urgency, more frequency, you know, waking up at night and then dripping, getting your underwear wet and all this. These are probably signs that, you know, things are slowly progressing. Is this technically incontinence? So in the, you're right. So in, in the extreme circumstances, it can lead to incontinence. And incontinence can be because, you know, a bit of dribbling at the end. But it could also be because it's so obstructed that we have what we call overflow incontinence. That means the bladder is so full that you know you just get this constant dripping of urine out the urinary tract. Because of the inability to completely void the bladder. Correct, exactly correct, yes. Oh, wow. Okay, and, and I'm curious as well, I'm, it's not just a urinary issue, I'm told it could even impact your kidneys. Yeah, yeah, so you're, 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 you know everything. So, you know, in the extreme circumstances where there is obstruction, you know, there's a lot of retention going on in the bladder, you're not emptying out well, the pressure can build up in the, in the bladder and that pressure can pass up into the kidneys, causing kidney damage. Uh, but before that, you may be developing things like recurrent urine tract infections, bladder stones, and, and all these other problems related to enlarged prostate. So gentlemen, if you're facing some of the symptoms that we just talked about, the point of the matter is don't just think to yourself, it's just urinary symptoms, it's fine, I can live with it. The point is it could impact your kidneys, it could lead to other health consequences as well. Get it treated, get it managed, there are options at play. I wonder, going to our bigger question, Dr. Tan, will an mm. enlarged prostate lead to prostate cancer in any way? Okay, so there is no strong evidence to support the enlargement of the prostate leading to cancer. So in essence, you have two different things going on in the prostate. You can have enlargement or growth of the prostate causing obstruction 
or you could have prostate cancer or both in some circumstances. So it doesn't necessarily lead to the other. Yeah. What is exactly happening? So prostate enlarge enlargement of prostate, quite straightforward. The prostate is enlarging. Yes. What mm. is happening with prostate cancer? Is it enlarging? Um, abnormal cells happening here? Where? Yeah, yeah. So, so with like with any cancer, it starts off with um, cells turning abnormal, turning cancerous, and they can, you know, as they develop, as they grow, lead to obstructive symptoms too. So, obstruction can be both a sign of a benign condition, but it can also be signs of a prostate cancer that is developing. I see. Okay, so really, so you've seen cases where it happens. Uh, somebody could have both enlarged prostate and prostate cancer. Yes, they, they can go together. They can go separately. In fact, right now in our census in Singapore, I think prostate cancer is the most common cancer yeah. among men. But here's the good news. Don't, don't let the fear of enlarged prostate being prostate cancer prevent you from seeking treatment because what we're saying here <laughs> is very often it can just be the enlarged prostate in and of itself, correct? Yes, that's correct. And, you know, getting it... So in the past, people will say, oh, just live with it. It's part of growing old. But at the same time, you know, we have many ways of treating it so that we can protect things like the bladder from deteriorating, mm. getting all those urgency and frequency problems. Uh, at the same time, as you mentioned, picking up early, especially picking up a cancer early, means that, number one, we don't have to deal with metastatic disease. That means cancer that has spread. We don't have to deal with issues of life and death. But we can potentially treat the cancer without... Too much, um, so too much problems uh, in terms of your general health. Okay, so let's focus on the prostate cancer then. How do we screen? How do we pick up early, like you said? Mm. So we normally suggest. Okay, so the idea of prostate cancer screening has been a bit contentious. At one point in time, we were doing it pretty widespread, and then after that, we looked at the US data, and there's some issue about whether we were over treating prostate cancers or over diagnosing prostate cancers. But it has swung back again, back to doing more screening because we've noticed that in the US, when they cut back on screening, they end up having more prostate cancers that had already spread and then, you know, kind of missed the boat. So usually we'll suggest for people around 45 to 50 years old to do a simple PSA blood test uh, and that will give you an indication about your risk of prostate cancer. Prostate-specific antigen test. So it's testing for the, the antigen that would be yes. present. How accurate yes. is this? So, you know, if you ask me about prostate cancer screening, um, if you look at, you know, breast cancer screening, in fact, we probably save more lives uh, per screen person uh, population uh, if we screen for prostate cancer than we would with breast cancer. So I would say it is as effective as a screening tool uh, as breast cancer screening is as is right now. Now, earlier on, um, I was talking with my co-host on Singapore Today about this topic and, and the idea of screening your prostate health. And mm. he's about a decade or two older than me. And he's like, hey, I haven't gone, no, I haven't started, I haven't gone. And I was like, what? I was chastising him on air. Lah. And I was like, when you're mm. 15, maybe you should have started. So I, I want to get it from uh, the expert. Who should be screened? When should we start? How often? Yeah, so you mentioned 50. So... My birthday is tomorrow. So is it? I'm, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to get my blood test done pretty soon. You know, the whole general health screen. So I think at 50... That's how I celebrate my birthday as well. Every year my birthday, I schedule all my health checks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so I'm going to be doing my PSA screening because I'm, I'm turning 50. Uh, but if you have a family history of prostate cancer, for example, your father, your brother had prostate cancer, especially if they had it done in their 60s or even earlier, then I would suggest screening at 40 or 45 years of age. If not, in terms of general screening, if you're interested to do uh, screening for prostate cancer, I would say 50 years old 
would be a good age to consider starting to do it. And then after that, how often? Yeah, so depending on the value that you get from your PSA screen, that will kind of guide how frequently you need to get it done. In many studies, people were doing it every two years. Okay, yeah. And again, you saw your doctor will be able to advise you again based on that value as well. Exactly. Then isn't there also the digital rectal examination? Yeah, so you're right. The digital rectal examination is also part of the screening process. I didn't really want to mention it because it turns people off. It but... shouldn't. We talk about it all in Health Matters. Men, don't be afraid. <laughs> Come on. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you know, most urologists have very gentle fingers. <laughs> we've been we've been well trained in our in our training ship. Manicured to, and, and everything, huh? Yeah, to make sure that um, not that we want to give you pleasure, but we would definitely want to make it as uh, you know as comfortable as possible when we mm. do that digital rectal exam. Again, so this one is also um, the digital rectal exam is also a regular screening option for men over fifty, and the idea is what to see whether there's any enlargement of the prostate happening. Is it? Yeah. So so the thing, the finger exam gives you some idea about the size of the prostate. But also, you know, may give an indication of whether there may be a potential cancer. Yeah. We may be able to feel a heart lump in the prostate, which will make us a bit more worried. So it is usually a combination of both the blood test and the digital rectal examination. Well, it's good that we've discussed and understood the link and the differences here between enlarged prostate as well as prostate cancer. And the fact that, you know, it, it, there's no necessary link that's been identified between causation. There's definitely no causation. Yeah. No, no. Having one doesn't lead to the other. Having said that, I'm sure many men still want to know what they can do to prevent the most common yeah. cancer amongst men here. What can we do, Dr. Tan, to prevent prostate cancer? Okay, so I think the preamble I have to say is the majority of cases or there's a strong genetic component, but uh, we can still look at ways to prevent it from coming on. So if we talk about, you know, in general, we talk about, I'm sure health methods talk about a heart healthy diet, right? So more greens, less meat. In the same vein, for prostate cancer reduction, we would suggest uh, things like uh, less um, trans fat, less saturated fats, less red meat, uh, more vegetables, especially cruciferous vegetables, leafy vegetables, broccoli, uh, more soy products, uh, probably tomato-based products because of lycopene. Um, and that probably will help. And also less high temperature cooked food. So less, oh. I'm sorry, less barbecue, less Hot pot? Grilled, uh, um, <laughs> fried food. And lastly, uh, there is some, um, some information to suggest that uh, ejaculating more times may reduce your risk of cancer. Yes, we've covered that on uh, Health Matters before as well. It's a very interesting story. The idea is um, stor storage too much is a bad idea. Is that it? If there's lack storage, of, if there's too much, if there's no ejaculation and it, it's uh, just, and they're storing, there's actually wear and tear with the excessive storage or something like that. Or am I wrong? I, I think they they're worried that the current postulation is toxins build up in the prostate mm. and ejaculation helps to expel toxins. Right, because remember that one of the functions of the human prostate is it generates uh, sperm, right? Exactly, you are right on. Okay, yes. can do so. Those are some of the prevention techniques that can be at play. And now we know a little bit more about that link or lack of when it comes to enlarged prostate and prostate health uh, and prostate cancer, rather. Dr. Tan, it's been a pleasure. Good to connect again. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. My guest on today's edition of Health Matters. Uh, joining me on today's edition, we've been learning about that link, yeah, or lack thereof in many ways. But the important idea is that you st it shouldn't hold you back. You can still get treatment for an enlarged prostate and you can still get very good treatment for prostate cancer. And when picked up early, very often men can live very a uh, very long time 
uh, with prostate cancer. And you know, th there's an anecdotal saying that, you know, very often somebody might pass away from old age rather than the prostate cancer if picked up early and managed well as well. Dr. Tan Yung Khan joining us, Senior Consultant Neurologist from EuroHealth Medical Clinic. I'm Daniel Martin and this has been Health Matters. Before making any decisions based on the information in our program, please consult a medical professional.